Mark. It's the weekend! Let's go! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Saturday show. I'm Yuck. That's Lundy. What's up? How much? How are you, Lundy? I am feeling pretty good overall, you know, like in a good mood. A little bit less, you know, just did run into something just before we came on the air that okay bummed me out just a, a, a slight amount. Eric, you might be too young to understand this, but Yuck, I think you'll get it. Uh, I lost the game. Which game? Oh, you you don't okay. Um, this was a big thing for a while. There was so oh, I know. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's like a social experiment. Who did you lose somebody, to? So somebody posted it on their Instagram. Story. Ah, dang it! You got owned on that one. Yeah. Then. So yeah, it, one of those things that you know I hadn't lost the game in years. Sure. I had completely forgotten that it was a thing, and then they got gotcha. all of a sudden they got it. So to all the listeners. In the know. Um, I'm sorry. Yak, I'm well, sorry. You can you can get started with a new streak here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Eric, do you know what we're talking about here? By the Zero way? clue. So Eric Jensen's producing for us today, Eric. And that was a good song because you're back now on the Saturday show. We haven't had you for a few weeks. A good Welcome back. I feel like that's a good, like, I'm trying to, like, produce this thing a sure. little bit. Yeah. I feel like that should be our intro song every week. It's a good one. I like it. I like it. Uh, but so... I actually had a, my ninth grade science teacher, Lundy, was a huge into the game. He got all of us on yearbook day in ninth grade. Oh. Because he, he created labels. Like, they were signing yearbooks one. I didn't have right. a teacher sign it. He put a picture of it. It says, got ya, sincerely, Mr. Glassford on it. <laughs> and he would, he would take your book, take it back to his desk. You couldn't see it until he handed the book back to you. You'd open it, and you're like, <sighs> so... I my condolences to you. Yeah. So, Eric, by the way, I think this is a good social experiment. If yeah. you guys know what Lundy's talking, about, if you know what the game is, tweet at us right now at twenty four seven Lundy two four seven L U N D Y at Jacob C Hatch and Eric. It's Eric eighteen Utah, right? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. All right. Well, I, I, you've got you're a man of many many. I'm a man of many Twitter okay. accounts. Well, we'll go with Eric eighteen Utah for 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 the. If you guys know what the game is, tweet at us right now. We want to know that. All right, how's everybody doing? It's Saturday afternoon. We're having a blast out here talking sports here on the Zone Sports Network. And we have got some very, very good news. Yeah. Our esteemed boss, Scott Gerard, just sent me a text and says we have jazz tickets to give away. Oh, wow. So we'll do that later on in today's show at some point. Stay tuned for that. That is actually... Big time. Yeah. We're big. Okay, here's the thing. On the Saturday show, we're just having fun out here. But the fact that we have jazz tickets, all the more incentive for people to tune in. So we'll give those away at some point today. Also, uh, we're going to talk about this here in just a minute, Lundy. We're going to get into the NBA playoffs. We have the Utah Jazz currently awaiting who they're going to play in the Western Conference semifinals, a.k.a. the second round of the NBA playoffs. I've got a question of the day up there asking, what... Or who do you, be honest, who do you want to see the Utah Jazz play in the second round of the playoffs? 
the Clippers or the Mavericks? That's going to be our question. It's going to kind of dominate the conversation today. Tweet at us. I put it out there on Twitter. I'd love to get your guys' feedback on that. And our good friend Austin Horton just tweeted it. I'm too old to know what the game is. So, Austin, apparently you were not in the know. You were a little past your time frame, I guess. Yeah. Some, I'm, I mean, I feel, I feel like when I at first heard about it, somebody said it was really old. I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know, but it seems like it's something that was kind of unique to like our age group. Oh yeah, trust me. Like my that, my you know? junior high and high school years very much had the game as a part of it. Like, yeah. I can just think back on that. That was a very much a key part of it. All right. Anyways, how you doing, Lundy? I am feeling great. Good. That's what we like to hear. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front. We're in the 90s. I think we had 100 degrees here downtown yesterday, out of the airport yesterday. Set a new record for the first 100-degree day in the state. So it's nice and warm, but we're having a blast all the same here. And a big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. And we're having a, we're gonna have a lot of fun today. We're gonna talk about the NBA playoffs, talk about the Utah Jazz, who we expect to see uh, when the Clippers and Mavericks play Game Seven tomorrow afternoon. We also have a local team, a local college football team, playing for a national title, Snow College. Down there in Ephraim, I have uh, family members who are an illustrious alums of Snow College. They are playing for a national title today, and we also are going to be joined by a former Snow Badger in Riley Jensen. Uh, Riley, college football expert, he joins our station all the time throughout the football season, but in addition to that, does a lot of stuff on the consulting side of things, sports, psychology, helping a myriad of different teams. I know he's got his hand in a lot of different things. Excited to catch up with him. Yeah, no, it's going to be a, a great time, great show. I'm, I'm really excited about everything that we've got planned for today. Uh, Landon Sorensen, I just lost the game. So you're not alone, Monday. Apparently Landon just lost. So there you go, Landon. Thanks for tuning in. All right. So let's get going here right off the top. And last night, I thought game six between the Clippers and the Mavericks was a ton of fun. Oh, man. It was, you know, I was, uh, so I, I, I was kind of in and out, admittedly. Sure. Uh, I, I was at a wedding reception. Ah. Um, Best friend, what? Who we? It, it, not a best friend, okay. but you know somebody that I'm that I still needed to go to the wedding. Yeah, okay. I, it's one of those things. You know, they got married in the in the depths of COVID. Oh wow! Okay, um, and so, so they're they're one of the couples. Okay, I don't I mean to step over on this, but they're one of the couples who got married, but are actually finally having the party now. Yes, okay, because it, there it just wasn't possible at the time. You know, like they had gotten engaged before COVID. They had planned for. You know, sure. and then it hit, and they went. This just isn't possible. We're not going to wait until whenever this is over. Let's just do this thing now and celebrate when we can celebrate because we don't know when that'll be. Um, and so I was there, and you know, trying my best to to follow etiquette, but you know, occasionally just sneaking over to the corner, looking <laughs> at my phone, you know, watching the games here and there. And you know, I for a lot of it, I it looked like I mean, it was close the whole time. But it, it, I felt like every time I looked at it, it was just, you know, the Mavs had that narrow lead sure, for most of the game, most of the game. And then I look away for a few seconds, I come back, and Kawhi just turned into Kawhi. <laughs> he did. And I think the one thing about Kawhi Leonard, I, I feel like just his persona, because he's so level. There's, right. there's no up or down with Kawhi. He's, he's just, a robot. He, very much so, I feel like. But... He was it, that was the best of Kawhi Leonard last night because mm-hmm. down the stretch 
He was hitting threes. He's making plays defensively, and he was not about to let that team go down in six games. Right. It was, and it's such a weird series so far, where the road team has won every single game. First through time six. in NBA history. So it'll be interesting to see what Game Seven is. But I am absolutely loving the Kawhi versus Luca, just back and forth thing here. You know, the rest of like the other members of the team they contribute, but that's really what it comes down to each game it feels like at least to me um is the the Kawhi Luka matchup and so I'm really interested in seeing game seven also I'm really glad that it is going to game seven because Mike Conley I was gonna say (laughs) an extra 48 hours of rest yeah we'll, we'll get to the Utah Jazz element here in a moment because that's absolutely a conversation piece that we need to talk about with Mike Conley obviously but Watching that game last night, I'm with you, because throughout most of the game, Dallas was kind of clinging to a narrow lead, and in some ways, I actually felt like this was the type of game that we saw from the Utah Jazz when they were, in the, in the essentially in the final four games, when they got that gentleman's sweep on the Memphis Grizzlies, it felt like Memphis would make runs. They would, they would narrow it up, get within two, three, even one point at different times, even take a lead at one point, in one, I believe it was game four, was, they took the late lead in, but it always felt like... The Jazz were in control, and they would get they'd get back in front and just end the game. And that's the way last night's game, to me, through three quarters felt like. I felt like Dallas on their home court, they had the crowd going bananas behind them, and they were, I felt like, on their way. They were going to upset the Clippers. We're going to have both L.A. teams out of the playoffs. The NBA's collective mind was going was gonna to freak out because two of their showcase teams were out of the playoffs in the first round. But I got to give credit to Kawhi Leonard. And I also felt like guys like Nick Batum, he had a great dunk late in this game. He only had six points in the game overall, kind of starting at that small ball center. But Paul George made plays as well. But Kawhi Leonard was like, you know what? We're taking this home. We're playing game seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's something that we always know that he's capable of. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, I mean, he's he's kind of that reserved player. A lot of other players, you can see when that switch flips you can see when that happens with donovan mitchell well yeah you know they they actually let you know with their facial expressions yeah you can just see them get in like you see it just click yeah they get in the zone Mm -hmm. you can see it on their face and with Kawhi, you don't know that that's coming and so it's just one of those things where he'll lull you into a false sense of security and have just the quietest 40 points that you can you know and He'll get most of that very quietly at first, and then sure. he starts hitting, and you start recognizing and going, man, okay, it's happening. It's happening again. Here we go. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard in 42 minutes last night, 18 of 25 from the field. This is not. He didn't do this from the free throw line. He only had four free throws attempted in this game. He was hitting big shot after big shot down the stretch, especially from three. Five and nine from three, 45 points overall. Just a marvelous, marvelous performance. I think reminding everybody, by the way, in the NBA playoffs, and if you're a team like the Utah Jazz, reminding them, yeah, um, this guy has won an NBA title, and he has dragged, well, he's won two NBA titles, and he's dragged both of those franchises seemingly by himself to said titles. Right. He's, and so, yeah, it's just, it's something that concerns me, you know, uh, knowing that that's a potential matchup. <laughs> Pick your poison. Who yeah. do you want to go against in, in a seven-game series? Do you want to face off against Kawhi and the Clippers, or do you want 
Luca and the Mavericks. And that brings us to our question of the afternoon. Be honest, who do you want? Because I think there are a large majority, and this is, I, I'm, trust me, I want people to fee- give us feedback. If you want to call in 855-340-ZONE, you can use the Zone uh, Sports Network's app. We have a really cool feature called our open mic feature. You can record 15 seconds of audio, give us your take. We can play that on air. Or tweet at us on social media at Jacob C. Hatch at 247 Lundy. Would love to get your guys' feedback on this because, in my opinion, this is just kind of my read on it. I feel like Utah Jazz fans want nothing to do with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They want everything to do with Luka, despite Luka being otherworldly. I feel like Jazz fans see the Dallas Mavericks supporting cast around Luka as more beatable than the Clippers. I would agree with that for the most part. You know, and I. I know that a lot of Jazz fans, when they think of playing the Clippers potentially, they flash back to Paul George in OKC when Joe Playoff Ingles, P. yeah, when Joe Ingles just completely shut him down. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there are some Jazz fans out there that are looking at that, going, you know what, Kawhi's going to get his. He's Kawhi's going to Kawhi. So let's do that where we can shut down his teammates and. You know, you're never going to stop Kawhi, so stop everybody else. I'm not sure that I am in line with that train of thought. I, I understand it because, sure. I, you know, I remember that series really well. I I think that right now I'm kind of with you where Luka's supporting cast is a lot more favorable, favorable of a matchup for the Jazz than it, well, Kawhi's. Okay, and see, that's the interesting question here, Lundy, is because... You look at these two teams. So, uh, Clippers, let's just say their bench. Ivica Zubats, uh, Rajon Rondo, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard. They have else guys like DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson on that bench, Patrick Beverly as well. And then the Mavericks, their bench. Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, Willie Cauley-Stein, Jalen Brunson, uh, Josh Richardson. I get that the... If you're looking at those two, you just look at them and say, okay, well, yeah, obviously we want, we want the Mavericks. But also, the, I, th- I think the other side of it is something's off with the Clippers. There's something. I, and That's I, true. And I know I'm, I'm kind of regurgitating stuff I've heard from other shows. I know David and Patrick, DJ and PK in the morning have talked about it. The, DJ just feels like something's completely off with these guys. He, doesn't, he, he said, I can't put my finger on it, but something about the Clippers says something's not right there in L.A. It could be, you know, I mean, I don't know how superstitious of a sports fan you are, but it could just be the fact that they're the Clippers (laughs) assemble the same roster (laughs) under a different logo. They win. The ghost of Donald Sterling is still haunting this franchise. They're just they've always kind of been just the irrelevant little brother in the city of angels. And for whatever reason, who knows? Maybe that's what it is. That they we just can't. It's like I can't comprehend why this isn't working because it's the Clippers. That's. I mean, I don't know. Um, by the way, Brian Dunseth, if he's listening, he's RSL's color guy. He's going to be very angry at you for making that <laughs> statement. Dunny, trust me, I don't know many people who are true Clipper fans. Brian Dunseth, he is. This guy has gone against the grain his entire life and because he grew up in the greater L.A. area. So he should have been a Dodgers fan. He should have been a Lakers fan. None of that. Latched on with the Clippers. It's just, it's funny to hear him talk about, yeah, I've kind of just gone up against the grain my entire life. That's awesome. I, I, I do respect that. So, you know, Brian Dunseth, uh, apologies for, for my controversial take. <laughs> but, I'm not going to take it back, but I, I do respect also the, uh, you know, just... That, well, there is, a, there is a debate to be had because, yes, the Clippers, for you and I, at least our, most of our lives, they've been awful. 
Yeah, they've been just. Well, think they've kind of been the joke of the NBA almost. Yeah, well, and part of that was the fact that Donald Sterling really just ran things just really, really badly, frankly, but we'll see. All right, we had a caller who wanted to weigh in on this. Debbie calling in. Debbie, how are you today? I'm doing great. All right, Debbie, where are you I've going? Been a jazz season. Well, I've, I've been a jazz season ticket holder for 22 years, uh, uh, up through when Jerry Sloan retired. And I, I watch the Jazz, and the Clippers have disappointed a lot of years, but when I'm comparing it to uh, Dallas Mavericks with Luka, there's one Luka down there, and as, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, uh, Clippers have two, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and I think I'd rather meet uh, Mavericks in the second round. Well, Debbie, thank you for the call. I think, that's, I think that's you're echoing what I think a lot of, just kind of my sense looking at social media Two superstars versus one superstar, and you like your odds with having a chance against a guy like Luca to contain him in theory versus having to contain both Kawhi and Paul George. Right. You know, it just the math makes sense. I mean, two is more than one. Sure. You, you, but I think there's also jazz fans out there who, like you mentioned, go back to the OKC series and say he'll do it again. Speaking of Joe Ingles, he'll just lock up Paul George again, get in his head, and he'll fall apart. I don't know. I, I, I'm with you, though. I think that the Dallas is going to be the majority of people. All right, where are we going next? Robert, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, Robert, what's your take? Where are you going? Do you want Mavericks? you want Clippers? Where are you going? Well, I, I actually would love to have the Clippers, and I'll tell you why. You've got the Suns and the Jazz, who were both kind of – underappreciated this year. Uh, a lot of people counted them out before the playoffs began. The Suns took down the, the other big L.A. team. And I don't know if the Suns will beat the Nuggets, but assuming they do, and if the Jazz can beat the Clippers, I, I just love the narrative of that, having the Suns and the Jazz, the two teams who took out the big L.A. teams, everyone else's favorites to, to go to the finals. And to have those two teams to match up in the Western Conference Finals, I think would be awesome. I, I do think a lot of people would say that the Mavericks are an easier matchup, but I, I'm not afraid of the Clippers, and I think the Jazz should take them and, and you know take them down in six games and go against the Suns. All right. Thank you for the call, Robert. That's a very interesting take there because it would be quote-unquote fresh blood playing in the Western Conference Finals with both Phoenix and the Jazz. Because Phoenix hasn't been to the playoffs. This is the first time in the playoffs in over a decade. Right. I think you and I growing up, the Phoenix was like the Jazz. They always made the playoffs growing up. Mm-hmm. But it's been a decade of them just being absolutely awful. And it would be interesting to see both those teams squaring off in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it definitely would make for an interesting storyline where Phoenix and the Jazz went through L.A., which is typically how the, the, the Western Conference operates for one reason or, or another, it always runs through, you know, east and or it, the Western Conference runs through the through Los Angeles, usually the Lakers. Um, but typically, it's Jazz, Phoenix. They're kind of irrelevant teams. They finished the season one and two this year. Sure. And so as such, a lot of the national media has discounted them. Oh, They've absolutely. Said, well, you know, yeah, they finished one and two, but. Los Angeles teams, they're really going to run it. This would complete that storyline, I think. Uh-huh. Having Jazz, Suns match up, both of them taking out LA teams to say, no, these, the number one and number two seed legitimately are 
the top two seeds. All right, so Joe Ingles, I know, is going with his media availability. We're up against a break, so we'll roll on it. We'll play it in the next segment for you guys. We'll let you hear it from Joe Ingles in a moment. We had one other caller here before we get to break, though. Is that right, Eric? Tyler. Let's go to Tyler real quick before we take a break. Tyler, how are you, sir? Good, how are you doing? Doing all right. So, Tyler, weigh in with us. We've had one person say they want to see the Mavericks. We had one person who say he wants to see the Clippers against the Jazz in the second round. Which side do you go on? Um, so I fall more on the Mavericks side, but probably for a different reason. Okay. Um, biggest reason for biggest reason for me is the Mavericks don't have a guy that can guard Donovan Mitchell. The Clippers have a bunch of different guys they can throw at him, whether it be Kawhi or Paul George or even Rajon Rondo. At times, they have guys that they can throw at Donovan with length, and so I think that's 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 my bigger concern. Also, um, I remember that. Thunder, Thunder Jazz series with Paul George. Um, I, I probably remember it a little bit differently than, than most people. I remember him averaging like close to 25 points a game and, and st- him still getting his, mm-hmm. even though Joe Ingles was, was a pest and we called him push off P and all that. That was pretty fun. He did have a bad game six in that series in the closeout game, but he, he still was pretty effective. But, my, but just my reasoning is they don't have a guy that can, the Mavericks don't have a guy that can guard Donovan and, and that's, that's what we need. That's that's why the Clippers scare me a little bit more. Is that they have a couple guys that can throw it down in all series and make it make it more difficult for him. So appreciate appreciate you guys taking my call. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Tyler. That's a very interesting take, and yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's off base. By no, I I, I, that's not a way that I had looked at it. Mm-hmm. But I think he's absolutely right. Because so looking at the Mavericks roster, okay, Tim Hardaway Jr. Is he going to lock up Donovan Mitchell? I don't think so. Uh, Hardaway to me screams, "I'm all I'm all gas, no breaks. It's all offense with him." Uh, he had a really good game last night. Let's be clear, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's going to make a lot of money this coming off season in, in free agency. But you look at the Mavericks lineup. I'm kind of with him. I don't necessarily see a guy who's the quote unquote Donovan stopper. Whereas, as he mentioned, guys like Kawhi Leonard, Nick Batum, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Rajon Rondo. They're all dudes who can guard at a very high level and could, in theory, throw bodies at Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, it's it's an important part of the conversation that you know I've been neglecting because it's been more of, well, how do the Jazz defend these superstars, and not ever yeah. how do they defend the Jazz superstars. And that's the funny thing I think about this market is we I think we so look outwards that we don't ever think about the fact this is the number one seed in the NBA. What are they doing to guard the Jazz? Right. Maybe we need to reformat our mindset on this a little. Yeah, bit. I, I completely agree. Like it needs to be reframed. The Jazz aren't the underdogs here. They aren't. They shouldn't be. Absolutely. So, all right, we'll get to Joe Ingles, his comments to the media. He's doing his media availability. Now we'll get to that on the other side. Later on in today's show, top of the one o'clock hour, Riley Jensen will join us. Preview what to expect when Snow College faces Hutchinson, Kansas for the Junior College National Championship. That's all coming up on the Saturday show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Yawk and Lundy along for the ride here on this Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front. Eric behind the glass producing for us. And Lundy, just got this text from Alex Cromartie. Cromartie Alex saying 20-year winning streak. 
down the drain just like that. Oh, man. I, I somewhat apologize, but also kind of not really. I mean, you know, misery loves company. And so if I lose, I'm taking everyone down with me, especially now that I've got a microphone and an antenna attached to this. Sure. If you're yeah. listening in, I'm sorry, but, you yeah. know. So we're, we, we're losing the game today. So, so far, Austin Horton has said he's too old to know what the game is. A- Eric says he's too young to know what it is. You and I apparently are in the know. Landon Sorensen says he's at um, CH, so ch- Shell5792, I think, is what Landon's handle is. I just lost the game, came in earlier, and then just barely. Alex Cromartie, 20-year winning streak down the drain, just like that. Yep. I mean, hey, 20 years, that's that's impressive. That's, that's quite, really impressive. That's quite the run, honestly, yeah. if we're being honest with ourselves. All right, so getting back to the topic at hand, and I want to kind of reframe it here. We've been talking about uh, Game 7 upcoming between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Find out who the Utah Jazz will face in the Western Conference semifinals. But I think the bigger thing is to relate it to the Utah Jazz here. And we're going to hear from Joe Ingles here in a moment uh, from his media availability today. But, Alex... Obviously, extra 48 hours for Mike Conley, I think, is going to be big in the sense that if this is the typical Mike Conley hamstring injury, which knocks him out two weeks, it's been 15 and 17 days, according to what David Locke said, that's two extra days that you don't have a game. So it's a little extra time, but at the same time, you still got to worry about when he'll ultimately be available if it's, if it's, if it's as serious as the previous iterations of this injury for him. Right. And he did say that when he felt kind of the tug, mm-hmm. he said it felt less severe than the previous ones. Okay. Um, now, does that mean that it's less serious because it felt less serious? Not necessarily. Sometimes those tweaks might feel initially, you know, fine. Sure. But the long term of it, it could be the same time frame that we're looking at. We, we don't know. We'll find out more just before game one when they reevaluate him. So Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, fingers crossed because Mike Conley is a big part of the Jazz offense. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's just a big part of the Jazz team. Uh, offensively, defensively, the way that he impacts the game, it's, it's noticeably different when he is absent. Well, let's put it this way. If Mike Conley's not available in that Memphis series, they don't win both games in Memphis. There's absolutely no, no way. No, not even a little bit. I mean, you know, Mountain Mike going back to Memphis Mike. And, yeah. And, you know, I loved what he said post-game. I think after it was, I'm pretty sure it was after the first game. I think you're right, yeah. When he said... Sometimes you, he quoted the Dark Knight. Yeah. Sometimes you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Well, that's what happens. And he said, you know, that's what I've turned in, into here. And it, it kind of came with, he, he sounded like he was relishing that a little bit, where he, was, he wasn't upset that they had kind of turned on him. He kind of, he, it's almost like what Donovan, you know, Donovan loves the, the antagonistic oh, yeah. side of it. He loves when people talk trash and other things. Mike felt, it, 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 maybe it's just me, but it, it felt like that's kind of where he was going a little bit. Mike yeah. Conley is way too polite to actually, you know, throw it back or anything. But him being back in that building, saying essentially, "Look, I know that you drafted my replacement, and I know that he is great, but I'm not done here yet." And that's the thing. 
He led that grit and grind Grizzlies team. He was the heart and soul of that franchise. I know Zach Randolph had a big part in it. We all know that Marc Gasol was his running mate for a long time as well on those teams. And they did make a run to the Western Conference Finals. He knows that he's on the back end of his career. And there's not many more opportunities for him to do what the Utah Jazz are poised to do. So I absolutely agree with you. I think he just... Yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to be the B.A. We're going to go after it. Mm -hmm. And might as well. Because... This team, let's be honest, with the Utah Jazz, we know that Donovan Mitchell's still really, really young. But Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, we're talking the the kind of the key guys. They're over 30. I don't, Rudy Gobert's, what, 28? So he's nearing 30. But the time is now for the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Like how many more? How many more seasons do we think? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm going to be up tonight about this, but I honestly don't feel like the Utah Jazz are going to be the one seed for multiple years here in the relatively near future. Let's talk four or five years out. I think they'll be a playoff team. They'll be in the mix, but to be the number one seed, I've got my questions about that. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's a narrow window for a team like this. Uh, you know, especially in this market, and. Past evidence of that, 97-98 finals Correct. runs. Uh, you know, in 96, they had made the Western Conference finals. So, I mean, you know, they had that three-year stretch where they were really talented, made deep runs. And 99 felt like they were going to do it again, potentially. Mm-hmm. But we saw how quickly that window closed mm-hmm. after those runs happened. You got to take advantage when they come. There's no doubt about that. And I think a guy who understands that is a guy like Joe Ingles. This is a guy who came up, pulled himself up by his bootstraps, literally was cut by the Los Angeles Clippers, flew to Utah, had no idea where Salt Lake City was. He's been a stalwart coming on DJ and PK for seven straight years. I don't think an NBA player has done a weekly appearance on any radio show anywhere for that duration. But Joe, he's awesome. Spoke to the media just a little bit ago. Here you go, Joe Ingles speaking with the media. So good to see you guys. Okay. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump in here. Please raise your hand if you have a question for Joe. We can go ahead and get started. Joe, you have a question for yourself? (laughs) That would be a horrible experience. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see. We've got one hand up so far. We'll go uh, Christos Saltos for DNA out of Greece. Hello, Joe. How are you? Good. Great. Uh, My question to you is, what are the take, what were the takeaways for you for the for the series against uh, the Grizzlies and what would you like to maintain in the series uh, in the next series in sem- in Western semis? Um, I mean, I, I think we we got better as the series went on. I think we um, obviously we lost the first game, um, but I think as the series went on, we we figured some things out. Uh, I think um, you obviously got to give we we had to give we have to give. Memphis um, credit. They, they, we, we obviously knew they were going to play hard, but they, they played hard regardless of the score, regardless of the the games left, regardless of the um, three, one, two, or whatever the series was. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we got, like I said, we, we got better as it went on. Um, obviously, I think losing a couple leads, um, and we had 15 point lead a few times and, and lost it um, or got even and and they might have taken a, a little lead. But for us to um, be able to finish those games off, um, I think one of them we went on a 14 to two or 14 four run at the end of the game. Um, so there's some good stuff to take. Um, obviously, the, the, whichever team we play will be um, a, a little different to them. Um, so 
we've been going through a little bit of that stuff and um, obviously a part of it, we've got to, uh, got to wait to see who, who we're going to play to, to really tighten up our package on, on both ends. All right. Next up, Tony Jones, the athletic. Uh, Joe, uh, I sprained my ankle. So that's why. You I'm yeah. Oh I sprained my, my gosh. I was, I was playing ball today and I sprained my ankle, so I can't move. So I'm, I'm just going to have to. I bet you still had like 28, 12 and 12 though, didn't you? Shot 70%. Uh, I was playing really well, but it, it went back. <laughs> And then you ran 22 miles on the treadmill in 18 minutes. I did not do any running after the sprain ankle, but I did <laughs> cry in front of my 11-year-old. So, oh, um, man, that must have been. The, the question is, does it change anything for you guys now that you guys know, even if you don't know who you're playing, you do, you do know wh- when you're playing? So the, can it cha- does it change anything for you in terms of preparation-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think it, g- it gives us – obviously an idea of a, a plan for these next few days. Um, obviously we were kind of hanging on last night, waiting to see if we would be playing, I think Sunday potentially, if, if that was the case. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we were obviously going to come in to get it today, regardless. We'll probably be in here every day um, doing something. Obviously the hard part is like you said, kind of not knowing who we're playing. Um, I think a lot of teams um, you can take some things and, um, regardless of who you're playing, there's similarities that you can kind of, especially in those two teams, there's some similarities that we can take and and prepare for. Um, but obviously, until we know exactly who we're playing, um, especially defensively, probably um, a little bit offensively too. But um, yeah, at least we know a day, which is nice, um, and we can kind of plan from here on out what that that schedule looks like. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, kind of following up on that, would you rather kind of do you like the long breaks in between series like you've had in this this first couple times, or would you rather kind of like a two or three normal day break and then kind of know who you're going to play and prepare? Um, well, I was born in 1987, so a few extra days for me is uh, extremely nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it is what it is. If um, Dallas won last night, we played it on Sunday or whatever the schedule was going to be. Um, it kind of is what it is. We've, we've got to figure it out and, and get ready as best we can. Um, but um, obviously it's out of our, out of our control and out of our hands. So um, yeah, I mean, I'll take an extra couple of days. I think it, um, if anything, it gives us a couple more days to, to recover, um, get better, like get, get as healthy as we can, shoot the ball more, work on something, some things as a team, regardless um, even if it's our offense, little things that we, we think we can use regardless of who the opponent is. Um, and then obviously, like you said, yeah, an extra couple of days, kind of not rest, but a couple of days just to um, figure it out. And then when we know our opponent, we'll obviously be um, pretty locked in for those kind of 36, 48 hours before we, we actually play. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Joe, what is up? Looking forward to working with you again soon. Um, so question for you. You've been a part of a lot of good jazz teams here. Is there any, anything chemistry-wise that stands out about this group? I mean, obviously, the numbers offensively and defensively speak for themselves, but just in terms of the closeness of this group? Um. I think the the best thing about having a, a close group and and the group that we have and the the relationships and and all that it, it really 
like it, it genuinely just kind of helps on court. Like it, we've we've been in situations this year where where JC's been playing really well and we're going to him constantly and Donovan's not worried about that. Mike's not worried about it. It's not about someone trying to get their numbers or someone trying like it's a um it's a matchup or whatever it is that we figure out is is working. There's been games where Rudy hasn't touched the ball for the whole game because they are sitting on his roll or they're hitting him and he constantly rolls and stays flat and might do something silly every now and then, but majority of the time he'll kind of sacrifice himself for, for us to, to be able to get down and, and finish in the paint. So um, obviously I can't comment on other teams because I don't know what it's like in other teams, but I would be surprised if there was as many teams as kind of close and connected as we are um, on and off the court. So um, I definitely think it helps. I think if you've got a bit of a rift or there's something going on within your group, I think it like it genuinely can hurt not just those two people or three people, but the whole group. Cause it, I think, this day and age, we can you can tell when people don't get along as well as others. Um, so yeah, it's a I've said it a million times this year, but it's such a fun group to play with. Um, like I said, on and off the court, we we spent time. I had to have well, my wife had JC and George over last night for dinner, and just to be able to hang out with guys, they're, they're genuine. Like we're just they're just my friends <laughs> as much as yeah. they are my teammates. Yeah, and I remember you talking about that with Jordan in the bubble. You know after he came in late later in the year last season. It was nice to kind of get to bond with those guys. It sounds to me, is it fair to say that there's more trust for you and, and this team with this jazz team versus, you know, or, or maybe I guess a lot of the parts are still the same, but is there more trust this year with this group? Is that part of why you guys are so successful? Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there's more trust. I wouldn't say there wasn't trust in the past. Um, okay. I think with our, our groups we've had, and obviously it starts from up at the top in the office, the, the guys they bring in and um, obviously very good basketballers, but very good human beings as well. And I think that that's a, a huge thing. I, I mean, people can debate all day whether we've got the most talented team or we're whatever in the list of talent on, on paper, but um, I'd put a lot of money on the fact that we'll be the closest team, like I said, um, in terms of genuine relationships and, friendships. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't think I've been on a team, especially here that hasn't trusted each other, but I think, um, and I think what we went through last year, just losing that three, one lead. And we went through a bit last year with Boyan's wrist being out, Mike being out at the start of the year for a little bit, then Mike missed for his baby. And then we traded for JC and there was, there was a lot, a lot going on. And obviously when, the end of the day when you you lose a 3-1 lead it's uh it's pretty depressing for a few days so I, I think we all took that on board and I think we've used that not as motivation but just knowing that we can I mean first of all you don't want that to happen again <laughs> we definitely didn't want that to happen the other night um to, to give up a game and um yeah use that as motivation I guess to to push forward and like I said just just not let that happen again and and, and whether that's built um, stronger kind of trust or relationships. And if it has, because we lost, then I think we'll be better off in, in the long run for that. Yeah, it's funny. And last one for you, Joe, but you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, being up 3-1 last year, I know that was hard on you guys, but have you learned, what have you guys learned about the sense of urgency that maybe wasn't there last year that now you have that is benefiting you in this playoff run because of that experience? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I don't think you want to like live in the past too much, but that's a hard experience not to forget. 
um, especially being in a bubble and what we did for 60 days or whatever it was in there with our, our families and, and all that. Um, yeah. So I think it's something we haven't like constantly talked about it, but I think it, it has, it, it's come up a few times. Like it came up the other night when we we're up three, one, like, Hey, let's just kind of finish this off and, and do what we need to do. And, um, I also think again, back to our, like kind of our team, like we all, uh, pretty high IQ basketballers and, and, and players. I think we realize like it's in the back of everyone's mind. Like we, we know what we, I guess, didn't do last year. We know what, how we, um, we could have won that series um, for X, Y, Z reasons. Um, and again, not letting that happen again. So I think regardless of who you are, if you were with our group last year, it's kind of entrenched in your memory, like what, what happened and, and how it felt after that. So um, like I said, it's, it wasn't a, a pleasant experience at the time, but if that's going to help us in the long run and um, losing that series is going to push us forward for, for this year and next year and the coming years, I, I think it um, you obviously kind of ends up being a little bit of a positive um, out of it. Yeah. Thanks Joe. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. No worries. There you go. Joe Ingles. Uh, very interesting to hear him talk about the, just kind of the cohesiveness of these units. He talked about last year. We traded for Mike in the offseason. He comes in. He has the kid while they're in the bubble. They trade for JC, bring him, get him integrated. And by the way, if you guys haven't heard the story about JC's first words to Joe Ingles, have you guys heard the story? Do you know the story? Yeah, it's great. Eric, do you know this story? So uh, they trade for him. This is in December. They bring him in. He goes to practice. They're playing a game that night. It's pretty early a shoot-around. It wasn't a practice. The first thing he says to Joe is, hey, if you have the ball with like five seconds left on the shot clock, pass it to me. I'll get a shot up. That was the first words from Jordan Clarkson to Joe Ingles. And Joe's talking about it multiple times saying, he wants to take the bad shot. He wants to throw it up. Have at it, bud. Yeah. So. And if you've, if you've watched every single end of the quarter. Yeah. If Joe has the ball, Jordan Clarkson's shooting it 100% of the time, guaranteed. And I, I just love that that, you know, steps into the facility and it's, you know, kind of a, oh yeah, hi, nice to meet you, give me the ball. <laughs> Let's do this thing. I've got no conscience. I'm just going to hoist it up. Let's do just this thing. Start chucking it. I think that's the thing about this team, though, Wendy, is that it's just... It, they're a team that get along really, really well. This is not yeah. them just saying it. You can see it. In this team, there are other teams. You can see them when they go to a timeout, and there's very much like, "Hey, are you guys like you know playing together? Like, what's the, what's the story here?" Right. The Jazz, they're having the time of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Joe said as much where he said, you know, he's like, "If there's a rift, you can see it. It's yeah. it's apparent." And so I think that it's it's really incredible to see the cohesiveness, especially considering that with this Jazz roster last year there was a rift. There was, and. You know, certain media outlets started reporting it as it's unsalvageable. And here it is, very much salvaged. You know, it doesn't mean that Donovan and Rudy are the very best of friends, but they patched things up and they are, they work great together on the court. Yeah, they do. And they've talked about that. I think the story's been out there. The bubble actually was one of the best things that happened to this team to get past that. That's mm. the cool part about it. So, yeah. all right. So we are over time here. We'll come back on the other side, get to one of our favorite segments here on the Saturday show, a holdover from many, many other editions of the Saturday show, technical fouls. That's coming up next right here on the zone sports network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's it. 
the whole file. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's it, that's the whole file. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. It is time for technical fouls where we uh, re- reward people's um, bad behavior, stupidity, insert whatever adjective you want here. Lundy, where are we going to start? So I have a, I don't know exactly how to like lead into this without just diving straight in. Max Kellerman had a take on Twitter. Um, that I'm sure that a lot of people in this market are familiar with, where he he just said, so instead of a Lakers-Clippers conference finals, we're going to get Denver-Utah, and instead of a New York-LA finals, maybe Utah-Milwaukee, league's got to be happy about that. Just kind of poking fun at the smaller market thing, and uh, you know, when somebody said secondary second, second market cities matter, he said, no doubt. Now tell me you don't want to see New York in the finals. No, thank you. Like, yeah. So technical foul first off for just continuing this narrative because like and Eric you can correct me if I'm wrong because you follow this league I'm about to mention a lot closer than I do but you don't ever hear about small market teams being an, an issue in the NFL. There's not the narrative that oh Green Bay made the Super Bowl that's going to be terrible for ratings. Right? No, you're right. That's cr- that that is a really good point cuz no one ever like think about like Kansas City is not a big market. Neither is Denver. Yeah. You know, relative. A, and like, I mean, like the biggest, like the contenders in the, like Tampa and like the contenders in the NFL right now are not traditionally big markets outside of maybe the Rams. Yeah. Well, LA. And sure, so, yeah. yeah. But I mean, we look at the last Super Bowl. It was Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Like you said, smaller markets. What was the narrative? It wasn't. Well, the league's got to be upset because their big <laughs> markets aren't. No, it was Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. It's, they pumped up the players, not the markets. It's the Super Bowl. And so, you know, technical foul here for being like, oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. But also, he says, now tell me you don't want to see New York in the finals. New York is eliminated. So, no, I don't want to see them in the finals because I don't want to know how they would get there after they lost. Yeah. And somebody else did kind of, I think, point that out. And he said, the Nets, which... Brooklyn, I guess. Brooklyn, yes, it's in New York. But when you have eight teams that are based around New York, you know, two in the NFL, two in the NHL, two in the NBA, two in Major League Baseball, there is one of those eight teams that doesn't have New York in its title. And it's the team that he said he meant, Brooklyn. And I don't think anybody confuses Brooklyn for New York. Yeah. like, Like, I follow the New York media pretty closely, like... Brooklyn, in terms of like New York media coverage, the Nets get no coverage. Like, it it is a Knicks town. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely a Knicks town. And when you say New York in the NBA, everybody thinks that you're talking about the Knicks because they're the only team with New York in their name. Sure. Anyway, that was just that's kind of my quick rant. Technical file Max Kellerman on furthering a narrative that really doesn't have any traction. Way to go. Way to go, Max. But he, he, I think you've got a very, very good point there because the NFL, we, we truly, it's the Super Bowl. doesn't matter who's in it. It could be Jacksonville versus, give me another one of the small markets in the NFL, insert small market, Green Bay, I guess, technically, because Green Bay is smallest media market in the NFL for being just population-wise. Right. Green Bay, Wisconsin, really? 
<laughs> like so, yeah, no, that's a very good point there. All right, technical foul on the International Olympic Committee here. We are now 48 days away, so we're under seven weeks away from the expected start of the Tokyo Olympic Games. But the vast majority of people in Japan, adults who have been polled, don't want these games to take place. 10,000 of their volunteers have already quit. And by the way, if you, the International Olympic Committee is holding Japan hostage, holding Tokyo hostage so they can collect that massive, massive check, especially from people like NBC for those television rights, and then off we go. Man, I, I have so... I, I love the Olympic Games. Let me be clear about this. Mm-hmm. Summer Olympics, I love them. They're so much fun to watch. I love watching guys like Usain Bolt break world records and just thrill us with their athletic prowess. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun to see that. I love watching... And I know Joe Ingles plays for the Boomers, the Australian national basketball team. I love watching Team USA play, whether it's in baseball, softball, basketball, whatever it is. I love it. But what's going on in Japan right now screams to the corruption, the just overall badness that the IOC can be about. They're in it for one thing and one thing only, cashing those checks. They don't care about anything else. Right. And, you know, to that point, I mean, I'm I'm with you where I love the Olympics. I was really looking forward to, you know, watching Katie Ledecky just dominate. I mean, she's, you know, she's she was poised to do in this Olympics what Michael Phelps did back in 2008 in Beijing. Um I also, you know, have been following. There's a lot of local ties with the women's gymnastics team. Michaela Skinner making that push. Um, Simone Biles. Simone Biles yeah. is, you know, I mean, she just landed the double Yurunchenko, which is um, awesome. Which, you know, first woman ever to do that. Didn't get any extra points for, you know, was graded on the same scale. And when asked why she did it, even though it was probably a downside to her, you know, said because I can. Like I just love that mentality. But like you said, they are pushing forward through this with no regard to any of... I mean, we look at these other leagues around the United States that Mm -hmm. resumed their seasons under certain conditions. The main thing that we heard from all of them, and this was college, this was pro, it was always in conjunction with local health officials, local health experts. Well, what we're getting in Japan... The Japanese health experts there are saying, don't do this. Yeah. We don't think this is a good idea. And they're ignoring that. Like, for the first time in this pandemic, we're getting a sports executive committee that is openly ignoring recommendations from local health experts. And they're claiming they're going to create a bubble environment, athletes coming in, doing their event, and getting right back out. But still, it... You got thousands of journalists, support staff who are all traveling into that country. And the one thing about Japan, I don't think many people know this, to get a vaccination, I hear we can train people. We have people that are trained to do vaccinations. They have to go through a course. It just doesn't take very long. I think it's a few weeks at the very, very most. In Japan, there are two people who can give vaccinations, doctors and nurses. You have to have the degree to do it. And that's why they've been so slow. I know they're, so they're up to 500,000 uh, vaccinations a day right now. They hope to get to a million relatively quickly. But they're so far behind right now. They're lagging behind. It just screams to me this is yeah, – they're, they're ignoring it. Yeah, for the first time, it feels like there is an executive committee of a sports 
whatever league league is wrong probably the wrong term mm-hmm. organization yeah, organization that's, yeah. that's ignoring or kind of flouting what's actually been going on but <sighs> oh well so technical foul on the IOC cash that check hope you feel good about yourselves yep all right, we're over time here. Eric has a good one I want to get to later on in the show. We'll get to that before we, we get out of here. But we coming up next, we're going to be joined by Riley Jensen, former Snow College quarterback, now running Riley Jensen Consulting, a college football expert. Excited to have him on the show talk about Snow College playing for a national title and even get some thoughts on uh, sports psychology as it relates to the Utah Jazz and some of these other local teams that we have in action. We'll get to all of that next right here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Hour two underway here. Yawk, Jay Catch, across from me, Lundy, Alex Lundberg. Thank you for joining us. And Eric, you followed directions, didn't you? Uh, Clint, uh, Clint Knight on Twitter saying that when we have Riley on, we got to play Gorillas coming back, coming off a conversation that he must have had with DJ and PK at some point about this. But Riley Jensen, of course, from Riley Jensen Consulting, our resident college football expert here on the Zone Sports Network, joining us now. Riley, how's it going, sir? How's it going, Jake? How's it going, Alex? Thanks for having me on the show. We're doing all right. Thanks for taking the time. Riley, we know you are a proud alumnus of Snow College. How does it feel to see your Badgers back in the national title conversation? Well, it's actually really exciting. I mean, there's been a few years in there where I thought we we kind of got jobbed out of the you know the NJCAA version of the BCS, right? Mm-hmm. Where they could have been there and they just weren't. Um, there was also two times that Coach uh, Steve Coburn had taken the team to the national championship game at Rio Tinto Stadium. Unfortunately, they lost both of those. And one of those, Jake, is one of the more tragic losses I'd ever seen in my entire life where a uh, field goal attempt by the other team to end the game was blocked by Snow College. And instead of downing the ball, they got away from the ball. I recall this now. And recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown to win the game. I had completely forgotten about it, but I recall it now. Yeah, I do Oh, my gosh. I was there. It was seriously, it was heartbreaking. Snow College was that close. It was literally the last play of the game, too. And so I'm hoping for a better result today. (laughs) I'm excited to watch. You know, for for those of you that are listening to this show, this is a really good football team with some really good local football players, including Garrison Beach, who's an unbelievable quarterback, a very underrated quarterback, who I think – if he had come into the system in Utah five years later, he would have a whole bunch of Division One offers. I think what Zach Wilson has done and what, what Jackson Dart has done for young quarterbacks in this state is gigantic. And I think we'll see a lot more quarterbacks get recruited out of this state. But Garrison Beach is a great football player, um, and it's, it's an exciting team to watch. This is a good football. Riley, with them being in the national championship, kind of getting a chance to redeem themselves from that game that you just described, what's kind of been the story of this team this season that's led them to this point? Well, I think early early on in the season, and, and I think this is sort of by accident that this happened, but with, with the Arizona JCs dropping a lot of their programs, Snow was left to scramble to fill in a schedule. And it turned out to be a really, really tough schedule. 
that they actually won all their games. When they went when they went to uh, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the first game, but I want to say it's I know it's Iowa Iowa you know, Western. I, yeah, there you go. So Iowa Western, right? That's a that's a perennial great team. They beat them on the road, and then there were two or two or three other games that they beat top five teams on the road. And the, and you know, in, in junior college, it's a lot like the BCS where you kind of need to start pretty high to be able to get to where you want to go. And Snow had started at like five or six, and with those two wins uh, on the road as quality wins, it eventually helped them to jump uh, a team and get into the top two. And then, of course, they took care of business the rest of the year. But that Iowa Western team that they beat, built, beat is is a fantastic football team that 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 year after year after year signs you know between eleven and fifteen Division One players and. Snow has been doing the same thing for years. They just haven't had a chance to, to really showcase it. And I think, you know, a national championship for Snow College would be the first one since 1985. I can't remember the exact year that I was talking about this happened, but I want to say 2007, 2008, they played in the national championship two years in a row there. And it's, it's a real opportunity for Snow to just kind of showcase, like, number one, what a great program it's been over the years. I mean, when I played there, um, we were ranked number five my freshman year. We were ranked number four my my sophomore year. Um, we were nine and two and ten and one in the two years that I played at Snow College. Um, in the I figured it out the other day. In the two years that I played at Snow College, there was nineteen guys who signed Division One scholarships. Um, guys like Junior Iwane, who ended up going to Arizona State and playing for the Raiders and the Houston Texans for like seven years in the NFL. Kevin Curtis was my wide receiver who played for the Rams and the Eagles had three 1,000 yard seasons in the NFL as a wide receiver. Um, just so many players, Mario Fatafehi. I mean, I could go down the list in some ways you can put snow colleges program toe to toe with the university of Utah and toe to toe with BYU as far as how many players they've kicked out to the NFL over the years. And, and, and you're like, no way, not, that's not true. And, and, and yes, it is, because these guys sign at Louisville. They mm-hmm. sign at Arizona State. Some of them sign at BYU and Utah, so it's kind of hard to count because they count for both teams, right? Sure. But year after year after year, Snow College kicks out professional athletes. And there's guys every year, you know, just by who I'm tied to on Twitter and those sorts of things, I mean, this school kicks out guys that are in the NFL draft, and it's really fun for me to be tied to it. It's really fun for me to watch. Me and both of my brothers were starting players at Snow College, and there's been a ton of good talent that's come through this state, whether they've gone on to the NFL or not. Just playing Division One at Utah State, at Utah, at BYU, that have that have been great contributors to to these schools, and you know, guys like guys like Andrew Rich. Right, that like sure. many people don't think about being a Snow College Badger. He was an unbelievable college football player. I mean, the thunder that he brought on the field at BYU was was ridiculous. He would hit you so hard it would hurt your feelings. And he didn't play in the NFL, but he was an unbelievable college football player, both at Snow and at BYU. Right. No, there's no doubt about that. I remember uh, Deuce Latouille, if you remember his name. Uh, yep. Played at Snow, then went to USC. Ended up playing for the Cardinals for a while. Yep. Uh, there are so many. It's just it, it's incredible to think about. And I, I'm with you, Riley. I've got three of my siblings who are all Snow College graduates, and I got to tell you today, 
they are all repping Badger gear. They are very excited for this game, and I think it's I think it's kind of the thing about this. I think there are many people who know of Snow College and know what it's about. They know it's down in Ephraim. It's kind of set away from everything. Can you explain, Riley, what it is about where snow is located, just about the community that's around it, that helps it uh, kind of stand out, if that makes sense, in the junior college sense of things? Well, so now it's even, I mean, it's even more attractive than when I was there. So when I when I played in junior college, you had Ricks College, you had Dixie College, mm-hmm. right? And, and then there would always be one team out of the five teams in Arizona that was a really good team, right? Sure. That... that that had, I mean, I played against Charlie Garner. I don't know if you okay. remember him, yeah. an NFL running. I mean, he played for Glendale Community College before. All you right. Know, and and nobody had heard of him, but I, I believe me, I remember him. He scored like eight touchdowns against us. We beat him in overtime, you know. But um, when I was playing, it was Dixie, Ricks, or Snow, or that one team in Arizona that was going to win the conference championship. And if they went undefeated, they'd have a chance to play in the national championship. Now, Dixie played in the national championship. Ricks has played in the national championship and won it. And Snow had played in the national championship and won it. And then, but then for a while there, we all beat each other up, right? So the year that I, so the year that I went 10 and one as the quarterback, we beat Ricks, but we lost to Dixie and ended up fourth in the country, right? Well, I kind of feel like Dixie or Ricks or us could have beat anybody in the country at the time, right? And then, now, then, you know, Ricks College drops its program. Dixie moves up to Division Two at the time. And Snow becomes kind of the only junior college for miles, right? Because they're, most of the schools in Colorado are Division Two. College of Southern Nevada doesn't have football. And then, of course, the California schools have their own, like, little state title. Mm-hmm. They're the only state in the union that doesn't play junior college football with everybody else, right? And so now, with the Arizona schools dropping their programs, it's literally the only place to play junior college football for, like, I mean, if you're not counting California, in Nevada, in Arizona, in Colorado, in Idaho, in Wyoming, in Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, right, uh, Nebraska, like, none of those schools have a junior college. And so it opens up, it opens up recruiting to a lot of places that maybe you normally wouldn't be um, because of, you know, because of that opportunity. And so the other thing that I think is really unique about Snow College that's kind of fun is people don't know how fun it is to go to school down there. I mean, I I would probably say without without much hesitation at all, 90% of the people that I know that went to Snow College, we all kind of give each other this like nod and a wink like, yeah, you get it. You <laughs> understand what I experienced at Snow. It, it's an amazing place. The faculty knows who you are. The people are cheering for you on Saturdays. They're asking you about the game at the grocery store. I mean, it's a great, like, mini version of a college town, right? And so you end up just loving it. I I remember calling – so two of my wide receivers played at Kentucky. So a guy named Lance Mickelson and then Aaron Boone, who also played in the NFL for a minute. Um, Kevin Curtis. um, There was another guy um, who's now the director of – football operations at Snow College or at University of Utah. His name's Cyrus Satoa Fainga. And we would all call each other and we're like, hey, how's it going down there? And we're like, man, it's, you know, it's fun and it's everything we dreamed of, but it's not like snow, you know? Like some of us would say, like, 
flat out, like, the experience to play college football at Snow College was more fun than some of our Division I experiences. And so it's a unique place. It's a fun place. I loved playing football there. I suggest it all the time to people to go there. My niece just graduated from Davis High School, won a state championship in soccer. She's going down to Snow College this fall. It's just a great place to really get, you know, college started and uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Riley, you've mentioned a lot about the culture and as well. I kind of want to, like, piggyback that onto your previous answer about churning out NFL talent. Um, I mean, talking about the culture, you talked about recruiting and how there's a lot out west. They have a big recruiting pool to, to draw from. But what is it about snow that is able to take that that talent that they're able to bring in and then take that to the next level? Well, I think, I think, I think two things. There's a tradition of winning there, right? And when kind of like over the years, like I feel proud of it. I think when I played at Snow College, there was like four quarterbacks in a row that had signed Division One, and then after me, there was like another six that signed Division One, including Josh Heupel, who's now the head coach at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an All-American at Snow College. He played for Oklahoma. Um, there's just there's just a, a long-standing tradition of winning football at Snow College, but I also think that there's been a long-standing tradition of really good coaches there, um, whether they're former BYU players like Keith Uberessa and the current coach right now, Zach Erickson, the defensive coordinator, Jan Jorgensen, right? Or former Utah State players and coaches like Chico Canales, who was my offense coordinator my freshman year. There's just lots and lots and lots of really good coaches that have used snow sort of as a stepping stone to, to, to continue on to greatness. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, Josh Heupel, you can follow his career. Keith Uperes has coached at Hawaii. He's coached at USC, Idaho State, all these different places. Coach Canales was my was kind of my mentor who took me to NC State, and then he coached for the New York Jets. There's just been some really great coaches that have gone through that town. So I think it's two things. One, there's a tradition of winning, and then they've just always seemed to do a great job of hiring great coaches there who have developed football players, pushed them on to the next level, and help them become really, really successful football players. And you know what? I mean, now I'm I'm getting old now. I you know I was thinking about it the other day. I'm I'm like a cup of coffee away from fifty. You know, I'm 47 years old, and I'm like, man, I'm just not as young as I used to be. But you're still young at heart, Riley. Let's be well. Let's be I clear. am. I mean, you can ask my wife. I'm probably 14 <laughs> when, when she talks to me, right? But. I look around at my teammates and I look around at all these guys that played for snow college and they're, they're just good human beings. And there's something about playing at snow college that brings you together. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, like coach McBride used to take people that used to take his team down to camp carbon down at the college of Eastern Utah, because it was a small town. It could bring guys together. Well, we had the natural camp carbon, right? Like I was say, we lived in Ephraim. Ephraim's and, that. Yes. Yeah, and it just naturally brought you together. It's not like, you know, there's a ton of nightlife down there for the guys that get recruited. I mean, we'd go hang out at each other's houses, you know. The, uh, you know, we, I mean, we did a lot of the same things that college kids do, but it kind of forced you together at the very beginning, especially when you would get down there early before any of the students came. It would literally be like us and the volleyball team that were in Ephraim, and that's it. <laughs> like, I mean, there was nice. nobody there, and you just – you, you became close with your teammates. You teased each other. There was great 
great camaraderie. And I think that's part of the reason why it brought people together. It was just a great place to play. I loved, I loved playing football at Snow College. It was my only offer out of high school. And, and, and quite honestly, like when I drove down there and I could smell – you know, the turkey dung and, and some of the different things as you're driving in town. Hey, like, don't, knock, don't dog Marone I like that. Come on. No, no, no. But as you're driving <laughs> in there, you're like, what in the world have it's, I gotten myself into? You're true. And you're I'm, right. And I'm telling you, Jake, I go down there now and I smell that. And I'm like, it, like, like just talking to you just now, like it raises <laughs> the hairs on the back of my head. Like, I love it. I loved everything about Snow College. And so I'm not... I, I, you're, you're probably talking to the wrong guy because I'm so pro snow college. It's not even funny. Well, it was such a good experience to me. And if you think about it, Jake, it changed my life. I mean, every single job that I've been interviewed for has asked me about my experience playing Division One football. Uh-huh. And I got a chance to play Division One football because of snow college. Right? I mean, I can't – no. Sure, it opens the door, and I still have to do a good job, and I have to do things after I get inside the door. But every single job, literally every single job that I've talked to somebody about has talked to me about my experience playing Division One football. And that is literally because of Snow College that I got that opportunity. I can attest to what you're saying because my siblings have said similar things. They didn't play sports down there. I had one brother who played rugby for a time down there in Ephraim, but they've talked about the fact that Snow really kind of just – it's almost like it's a, it's an it's an incubator. I know that's a very in vogue term right yeah. now for different corporations and whatnot. But Snow College very much is that way for many people who go to school there. Just period overall, and I think that's the biggest thing. But yeah, and I think I, you know the other thing they've done a good job of is just the academics have been good enough yeah. that it, that your your transfer credits. I mean, for the most part, they all transfer. Yeah. I mean. I've heard very few instances of like college football players that are like, oh yeah, I lost like 14 credits like transferring here. It, it never happens. Yeah, because they're an accredited school with a great system and a great program going on. All right, Riley. Last thing from us is obviously this game's going to kick off at three o'clock Mountain Time. What are the keys for Snow to come away as national champions? So I don't mean to put all the pressure on Jan Jorgensen, right? <laughs> but Jan Jan's got to have these guys flying around. I mean. He's got a linebacker by the name of Mitch Medina, number 13, who's a mean dude from Alta High School who knows how to run around and hit. But they have to play smart. This is going to be a very, very fast Hutchinson team, right? they got to be smart, and they got to gang tackle. they got to run to the football. So you, you need them to slow down the scoring of Hutchinson. And then what you need on the offensive side is you need uh, Garrison Beach to be very efficient. That doesn't mean that he has to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. But when he does throw the ball, it has to be surgical. He'll like the way he plays. He's very accurate. He's very smart. He's a very cerebral quarterback. And they have to make just enough plays on offense to win. They'll be very good special teams-wise. They're typically very good defensively. But they've got to slow down that Hutchinson team a little and then allow Snow College to do what they do offensively, which is kind of a ball-control offense where they have a really, really smart second-year quarterback that takes care of the football. You know, being a sophomore in junior college is like being a senior quarterback, right? And he's now had two years under the under the helm, and it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm excited. It, the, the cool thing about this, Jake, is like you're looking at like 75% of the roster is Utah kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look through the roster, this kid's from Alta. Oh, that kid's from Skyview. Oh, that kid's from Mountain View, right? And it's like it's – it's really fun because some of these guys, honestly, they've been overlooked, and they're going to land big scholarships because of their time at Snow. 
You and, me, you and I both are huge into the high school football scene, so I think this is especially notable because, like you mentioned, look at that roster. There's so many high school kids. But, Riley, I meant to get to talking about sports psychology with you. We could do a whole other segment on that, but we'll have you on again soon, and we will have to talk about that, all right? That'd be, that'd be great. Thanks, Jake, and I, pre- I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. There's Riley Jensen. A big thank you to him. Uh, Riley, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Can talk about so many different topics. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation. You know, yeah. I mean, my my experience with s- snow is very limited. I mean, I went down there for a, a, a football camp while I was sure. in high school. Okay. Um, but, you know, just hearing him talk about his love for it just kind of brought back memories of my very, very, very short experience down there. And it's just how... You know, I, I have zero problem believing him that yeah. it really does have that culture and that, that pride associated with it. Ephraim is a unique place. Mm-hmm. It's a great place, too, though. They got some, by the way, they have an incredible burger place in Manti just down the road from it. Just if you ever want the tip, just reach out to me on Twitter. I'll give you the name of it. You guys can check it out. All right. We are way over time here. Big thank you to Riley Jensen for joining us. All right. So we got jazz tickets to give away. We got to get to five minutes of Saki coming up next. We're going to do our five minutes on Saki, but then we're also going to do five minutes of giving away jazz tickets. And how we're going to do this, I'm doing this, I'm, you guys don't even know what I'm doing here. Not, not a clue. Eric, this is coming on you. Call in now, 855-340-ZONE. We want to know what you guys would be willing to do, what you would be willing to give up to have the Utah Jazz win an NBA title this year. What are you willing to sacrifice to get the championship, to have that championship parade going down Main Street in Salt Lake City? Call in now. One of you is going to win a pair of tickets to Game 1 of the Western Conference Semifinals. That's all coming up on the Saturday Show. All right. We are going to get to this Jazz Ticket giveaway in a minute. I'm excited to hear what people are willing to give up. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And shout out to Eric for that song just there. You know, I mean... Avril Lavigne will always hold a special place in my heart. I don't care what anybody says. Okay. It's just, you know, I, I hear it, and it, it just it puts me in a good place. There we go. All right, we're going to get to five minutes of Saki. And Eric, you prepared something special for us, so go ahead. Oh, what a shot! Unbelievable! RSL have equalized... Props, Eric. That's actually pretty awesome. That was sweet. Well done. <laughs> well done, sir. All right, five minutes of Saki. And what it sounds like, it sounds like gibberish, but it's a mashup of soccer and hockey sports that both Lundy and I are aficionados of. Alex, what do we need to know in the hockey world this week? Uh, so currently the standings in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, in the, the North Division, the Canadian League, Montreal leads Winnipeg 2-0. to zero. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay currently leads Carolina 2 to 1. Boston leads the New York Islanders 2 to 1. And Eric's Colorado Avalanche currently lead the Vegas Golden Knights 2 to 1. Vegas picking up that one win last night 
uh, with a 3-2 win. So, Eric, my condolences. I'm sorry about your loss. I, I, uh, I saw on Twitter that you were not too happy about it. But I, as, as an Oilers fan, I feel that pain. I, I am very aware of right. uh, you know losing in the playoffs. It's, are it's not fun. Are any of these series currently, um, how do I say this, are any of the teams that are ahead in the series a surprise to you, if that makes sense? Um, not particularly. Okay. Um, well, Montreal was the fourth. Well, is the fourth seed in the Canadian division. So that's and a they li- had a monster upset of the Maple Leafs of the Toronto. Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah in games it, that one went to seven games. Yes. Um, but you know, matching up against Winnipeg, I mean, Montreal is always a pretty decent team. So it's not a huge surprise. The Habs, right? Yeah. Called yeah, yeah. Montreal Canadiens. Uh, also called the Habs, yeah. uh, short for Habitant, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah, so the Habs, it, it's a little bit of a surprise that it's 2-0, um, but it's not a huge shocker to me. Uh, the other ones all look about the way that they probably should. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that Colorado probably beats Vegas in six. Uh, you know, Boston, I would love for them to lose. I don't think that they will. Um, Tampa Bay, you know, defending champs. They lead the one seed Carolina. That one's going to be interesting to watch as well. All I know is my Seattle Kraken got the number two seed in the draft. That's what I'm happy about. It's, man, I am... They actually beat the odds to do it funny enough. Yeah, and I'm, man, I'm so excited for the expansion of the NHL. I love new teams coming in. I mean, the addition of Vegas was awesome. Mm -hmm. Big fan of that. Uh, So I'm I'm really excited. Seattle, I mean, I've said it on this show before, whenever you talk about it, because they're your team. That logo is beautiful. That's why I latched on. The great name, Kraken, and the logo's been pretty phenomenal right along with it. All right, so that's the hockey news here Here on soccer. We're in the international break currently. The Euros, the European Championships, UEFA, begin next week. Uh, The United States, uh, the U.S. men's national team, they have a chance to win a trophy tomorrow. Alex, they're playing in the Nations League Cup Final. Don't ask me to explain what the Nations League is because I still can't make heads or tails of it. Okay, so um, but there's there's a trophy involved. There's a trophy, and they're facing off against their longtime arch nemesis here in the North American continent, Mexico, Mexico. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Seven o'clock tomorrow night in that Concacaf Nations League final, and then funny enough, U.S. Men's National Team they're right back in action, and guess where they're coming next Wednesday. Right here. Oh, right. They're coming to Rio Tinto Stadium. They're facing off against Costa Rica Wednesday, uh, 5 o'clock, June 9th. Well, that 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 should be awesome. Um, by the way, uh, they just announced that uh, Rio Tinto Stadium is going back to near-capacity crowds. Uh, they're not full-capacity, but essentially they're, they're going back to the full 20,000 complement they have had. And I can tell you this much, when the U.S. men's national team, or even the U.S. women's national team, to even a larger degree, come to town... I got to give Utah credit. They show up in droves and they have a great time. So I'm excited to have the Costa Rica and USA playing right here in our backyard. Yeah, no, like, and I've been to a few matches at, at Rio Tinto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went. It was I don't remember how long ago it was now, uh, but there was a you know Team USA here playing. Uh, it might have been Costa Rica. I don't remember. Okay. It was it was some you know Central America. I've seen them play Honduras here. That might have been one. Yeah, of them. it could have been that. Uh, but I went. It was a great atmosphere great environment and so even though i'm not a huge soccer person every single match i've been there been there for whether it was team usa rsl uh utah royals fc while they were here hopefully you know back soon yeah you know i've got to give it to the people here 
the the people in the state of Utah, the soccer fans, uh-huh. they provide a great environment and a great experience. They're a dedicated bunch. At Costa Rica, USA, it'll be a friendly, technically, both of them gearing up for the Gold Cup upcoming. This is a crazy summer. You have the Nations League final. You have the Gold Cup upcoming. You even have World Cup qualifying starting later this year. It's a very busy calendar for national team duty. So, uh, By the way, it'll be cool to see, I think, uh, uh, David Ochoa, RSL starting goalkeeper. He's been called up for the U.S. men's national team. Wouldn't surprise me to see him start that match in his home stadium for the Stars and Stripes against Costa Rica. So stay stay tuned for that. One interesting point. Okay. Lionel Messi just briefly extending a two-year contract, but after those two years are over, it is rumored there is a clause that he oh, will have a been, two-year move to inner Miami. He's been rumored to be leaving Barcelona for three years. So now. two more years, <laughs> and then maybe. Yeah, MLS. but he was he was out last summer, Eric. You and I both know that. All right, okay. Time to give away these tickets. Five minutes of what are you willing to give up for the Utah Jazz to win it all? We asked for callers. You guys responded. Eric's been very busy in there getting our callers set up. We're going to start off with Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Doing well, Jeremy. All right, what are you willing to give up for the Jazz to win it all? Okay, I put a lot of thought into this. I've been a diehard for 35 years, and if we had the guarantee that it was going to mean a title, I would let somebody amputate both my pinky toes. Holy cow. You're willing to undergo forced amputation. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Well done. Hang on the line here, Jeremy. Where are we going next, Eric? Tim or Kim, excuse me. Alright, Tim, how's it going? Alright, Tim, you got us? Maybe, maybe not. Cheer. Oh, Tim, you got us? I hope I, you there? Yeah, we got you now. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just excited about the Jazz. I hope they get it this year. It's awesome. I hope Hans is listening because I'm sure he'll go with me on this. I'd give up the key lime pie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was I love the key lime pie, unlike Hans, but uh, I'd give that up. If my family wants to get on my good side, they always give me a key lime pie. I'd give that up. All right, Tim. Are you giving up the key lime pie? I can respect that. It's, it can be tough to do when you have your favorite treats out there to give those up. All right, where are we going next, Eric? All right, Derek, what you got for us? Hey, guys. So some background. Uh, I'm a diehard Cougar fan. Okay. Um, and so I would be willing to give up another decade of BYU wins or losses to Utah in football. Wow. Plus – Plus relations with my wife until the Jazz actually oh, win that title. Oh. <laughs> so 19 so, straight, first off. Yep. And given it a, a wow, okay. Well, hey. Die Hard is right. I yes. Mean, wow. That is, okay, I got to give you credit because I think there are very few BYU fans out there who are actually okay with even losing one more game to Utah. I, I feel like the majority of BYU fans that I know that are also Jazz fans uh-huh. would be willing to give up the uh, I feel like they would be willing to give up a Jazz championship in exchange for BYU beating Utah just once. So sure. to hear another decade, that's that's, I mean, hats off. That's that's impressive. Derek, hang on the line for us. All right, finally, you said Eric. Is that correct, Eric? All right, Eric, how are you? Hey, how are you guys? We're doing great. What's going on? 
Um, I would give up meat. I'd sell my smoker. I'd sell my grill. Uh, give up chicken, beef, fish, all of it for a jazz win. Holy cow! So, wow. Okay. All for, right. For, for life, like, are you, you're giving all? Yeah. Of- I'd I'd do it till the day I die if the Jazz could bring a championship home and we have a parade in Salt Lake. We got some great people who can do this stuff. Oh, Eric, hang on the yeah. line. That is, I can't do that. No, I, I mean, I know, nope. you know, I mean, my my Twitter following is small uh, as it is anyway. But those of those that do follow me know that last night, uh, you know, I was I was grilling chicken past midnight. You nice. know, just because like, you know, fired up the uh, the old charcoal grill. Mm-hmm. Threw some on there. Part of it was because I—I I mean, I, I forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer earlier, and had a few other things that prevented Fair. me from getting to it. But I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, "I'm not." I'm, I mean, you know, I had to wake up and be here a little earlier this morning. It was worth the sacrifice to stay up and and you know grill some chicken just so I could have some. So uh, that's 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 a. I don't think I could do that. So yeah, I, I'm just. I don't know, man. I, it's, I, I'm not going to lie. I made sausage and bacon for breakfast this morning. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was I, delightful. I think about it, and it's just one of those things. So, I'm trying to think of anything that I'd be willing to give that up for. like For life, to ensure a championship. Wow. Okay, Eric. Okay, we're going to have a hard decision here to determine who's going to win these tickets because we got some. Wow. Uh, Eric, i got to give you mad props, man. All right, oh, Eric's on the phone with one other contestant here, so hang on for just one second. But, okay, Lundy, where are you kind of leaning right now? As far as the answers are for what I would give up. Okay, all right, so we're going to get back out of the phone real quick. We'll get back to you in just a second. To David? Yeah, that's me. David, how are you? Wonderful. All right, David, what are you willing to give up to ensure the Jazz win it all? Well, I... uh I 100,000% would give up sexual relations with my wife until the Jazz won a championship. Okay. Well, they, that's a sacrifice. I can tell you that much. I think we're going with two single dudes, but. Yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, I, I don't have a wife to give that up with, so I mean, you know. Way ahead of you on that one, but uh, <laughs> I got my two kids, so you know I'm, I'm okay. All right, Lundy, we're gonna all have our vote here. By the way, Eric, you're you're waiting on this. You might be the tiebreaker. I gotta say, and Eric, uh, remind me who was it that was uh, willing to give up? Oh, so we had Eric was willing to give up all of the all meat, essentially, like give away his smoker, mm-hmm. give away his grill, all that stuff. And I believe it was Derek that was willing to give up. Another decade of rivalry decade losses. Decade of the rivalry losses, yes, and also relations with his wife. He said, Jer- oh. Jeremy uh, was willing to give up uh, his pinky toes. Oh, yeah, the pinky toes, correct. The amputation, the forced amputation. He's willing to lose those. Go Ronnie Lott style. Honestly, though, I think just knowing this market and like working, like, is this on? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like seeing like the craziness of Utah and BYU fans on Twitter, the fact that Derek is willing to give up rivalry wins, like I have never, ever heard any. Like I think it's okay, so so divisive that 
No, like the rivalry does live in all things. Rivalry, rivalry, rivalry lives in all things. You're Rock King, so Derek is your pick then. Yeah. Okay, Lundy, where are you going? <laughs> this is really tough. I, um, I think I'm going to go with giving up meat. Okay, so I, Eric is your pick. Yeah, I think that's because I mean, the way that I think about it, I, I do know a few fans that have kind of almost become numbed mm-hmm. to it at this point. And so to them it would be like, uh, yeah, another 10 years, why not? Sure. But meat, that's lifelong. That's a lifelong commitment. That's, yeah. that's strong. That's... Eric was willing to give away his grill. And I know my wife wants to give away all my stuff. I have a Traeger, I've got a Blackstone, and I have a regular gas grill. My wife would be happy to give away any or all of them. And he's willing just to give them up, give them all away, and not eat meat for the rest of his life. Eric, you win. I, I, I'm That's our deciding vote because... Man. And by the way, all of you are diehards to the nth degree for everything you're willing to give up here. Yeah, you guys, I can't I can't comprehend that sacrifice. So, <laughs> you know, hats off to you. Thank you. Salute. You know, I was just, it, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we are going to put a capper on this show coming up next. Eric, uh, Eric, we'll get your information. We'll get those tickets to you. Be a pair of tickets to Game 1 Tuesday night. Utah Jazz facing whether it's the Clippers or the Mavericks. We'll find out tomorrow, and we'll get those tickets over to you guys. Thank you to all of you who participated. We'll wrap up the show next. This is the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network in Lundy. It has been one heck of a show. Man, this was a fun one. Like, I mean, it's fun every week, but sure. you know, we 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 did our best to involve people a little bit more, and that was, I think, the best decision that we could have made. And a because, lot of callers today. Yeah. Y- you people are crazy and I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, we we don't have a lot of time here. I, but, I, I'm oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead, Eric. I have to butt in. Okay. What is the game. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, London. All right. So it's kind of a social experiment. There are three rules to the game. Mm-hmm. First rule is you are always playing the game. It, Second rule, if you think about the game, you, you lose the game. You've lost. And the third rule is if you lose the game, you must announce that you lost the game. He's not kidding. This is these are the rules, dude. <laughs> well, I think I started playing the game and then I immediately lost the game because yep. I started thinking about losing the game. So this is me publicly announcing I've lost the game. Well yeah. done. All right. So uh, yeah, all of us have lost the game here on the yeah. Saturday show. All of you listeners, sorry. My well, uh, my half apologies. Yeah. Um, you said you're taking everybody down with. Yeah, you. like I said on Twitter, you know, if I'm going down, I'm taking everyone else down with me. So all of you, welcome to the losers circle. All right, very quickly, gentlemen, who are you taking tomorrow night for the Jazz's second-round opponent? Are you going Mavs or Clips? I would like for the Mavs, mm-hmm. but my gut says the Clips. Clippers winning a Game 7 at home. Where are you going, Eric? Yeah, something tells me Kawhi's going to show up big again, Clippers. And I feel like Luka has got something cooked up. I just feel like the Mavericks are going to make it seven games, road game wins all seven, NBA record that 
you can't ever beat. It'll just be set. So we'll find out what happens. But a big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Saturday show. It's been a blast. We will be back next week. But of course, Monday, DJ and PK bright and early will have full coverage for you guys getting ready for game, or not game two, round two of the NBA playoffs for the Utah Jazz. That'll be right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks again for tuning in to the Saturday show.